Hello and welcome to the Beyond the Cusp podcast, your place for raising body confident and body aware daughters, teaching our girls all the things we wish we were taught and more. I'm Melina, mother to three, wife and founder of Beyond the Cusp Workshops to empower your daughter to be comfortable with her first period, understand her menstrual cycle and welcome her into becoming a young woman. Each week, we'll be speaking about ways to empower our girls to love and trust their bodies like never before. Thanks for being with me. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode two of Beyond the Cusp podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and I'm, I'm really excited to um, share my story on this episode. So I wanted to share where I've come from and share how I came to start Beyond the Cusp and just what that actually means to me. So I am a mother of three children. I had um, my three children within three and a half years. So my cur- currently my oldest daughter is 12. I have a almost 11-year-old son and a nine-year-old daughter. So, you know, I found this time in my life to be (laughs) very, very intense. And I still do. Um, I'm innately an introvert, uh, although I do like to be around people, but I actually need a lot of my own space and particularly quiet. And one thing my children are not is quiet. (laughs) They are, um, they're not only loud. So my husband is, um, He's of Serbian background, and if you ever get amongst a group of Serbians, you can understand that they like a little bit of um, they like a little bit of volume in their, <laughs> their conversation. So my my husband is no different, and um, my children are they tend to be loud as well, but they also really, for the most part, for the most part, they love each other's company. So they, um, of course, they fight as well. But, you know, there's not a lot of time where they just go and do their own thing. They are often doing things together. Um, my my oldest now being 12, she's starting to uh, separate herself a little bit more. But they genuinely love being together and um, sharing a lot of their time together. So this increases a bit of intensity when it comes to um, the volume. Yes. So <laughs> I I like um I like things a bit more quiet. But so my my journey uh prior to becoming a mother, I worked in sales and marketing um and uh, became a mother and then uh, a lot of that sales and marketing were kind of in wellness industry. So um, worked for um, a running shoe company for a good part of that and um, also some healthcare products. So worked in sales and marketing and then became a mother, went back to work for a bit. But once I had my third child, I, I knew that that was, that was it. I couldn't, especially because they were all under three and a half, I couldn't then go back to work and leave my children with uh, either in a daycare or I had I did have my mother-in-law who was helping when I just had the two and I went back to work. But with three, it was a different story. It was um, 
I was not prepared to to go to leave all my three children. So I had the full support of my husband and I became a full-time stay-at-home mum. Uh, after my youngest daughter sort of started to get around three and four, I started my own photography business. So I was working in photography, um, shooting families and shooting weddings, and I still am a photographer. I still shoot quite regularly, and that is uh, that's been my main business up until now, which ha- which has allowed me to work from home and uh, be there for my kids when they get home from school to go and watch them in their schooling, which has always always been a dream of mine since I was in my early twenties. It was my focus. It was my um, dream to become a work from home mum, where I did have a home business and I was able to um, go in and share those things with my children. So I really do not take for granted the the, the privilege that this has been, although it has been very, <laughs> it has been intense. And I sometimes have questioned whether it was the right thing to do or not, but it is what it is. And and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. So my journey into Beyond the Cusp really started, well, when I say really started, I should say really became more um, brought to the light for me. Because as I look back now, I know that this was a journey that took in my whole life. So there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, which have brought me to creating these workshops and creating this um, this space that helps mums and their young girls really acknowledge their menstrual cycles and just how important it is for us as, as females. Um, so there's, there's many pieces of this puzzle and I'm going to touch on, I'll, I'll mention what they are today, but there's a few that I will save for another podcast because they're they're deeper. They're they're, um, subjects that, again, like periods, like menstrual cycles, don't get spoken about and that need to get spoken about. So um, I will touch on these things, but I'll also bring more awareness around them at another time. So um, my history with, with periods, I have not spoken about periods much at all in my children's upbringing and it wasn't until you know my 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 oldest daughter I remember she brought she was we didn't speak about periods at all I didn't let them know when I had my period I basically never spoke it spoke to my husband about it either either because he was not um very accepting of of periods he so I would basically I wouldn't speak about periods just to appease him because I knew he was grossed out by it, uh, like most or like many men are. I shouldn't say most, but like many men are. And he, he grew up with sisters, so and you know he was the youngest of sis, um, three, two sisters, and himself. So he was around it when he was younger himself. But you know our generation never spoke about it. So I never spoke about it with him. I never spoke about it with my children. And one day my oldest came back from school with a library book and it was Judy Bloom's Hey God, It's Me, Margaret. I think that's what it's called. 
And um, I <laughs> looked at it because I remember reading this when I was younger and I thought, oh, this is all about puberty and this contains periods and I'm going to have to have a conversation and I don't know that I'm ready to have this conversation. And I think she would have been nearly nine at the time and, you know, we hadn't spoken about it at all at this stage. Um, so, yeah, she would have been nearly nine. So we got the book and and I started to bring up the conversation when we were reading the book and I actually enjoyed going back through the book myself and, and and looking at how the topic was was broached because I probably would have got a lot of my education from from the same book when I was younger. So we looked at it and we talked about it and she was kind of embarrassed and so was I, to be honest. Um, and that was it for a while. That was enough to kind of let her know that girls get a period and from there we kind of left it but then it wasn't until she was getting older and I knew she was starting to go through a bit more um, of the changes of puberty that I realized that I needed to do something so you know with my own with my own education I had very little education when it came to to periods my um my, I remember my mum sitting me down to talk about periods and, and I didn't live with my mum, I lived with my dad and I had three older brothers that I lived with and a younger sister. So my mum my mum uh, left our family when I was about seven. I was the fourth child of five and um, so my sister who was younger than I would go and stay with my mum on weekends and or every second weekend and holidays. Um, so I, I do recall being at my mum's house and she sat me down and, and spoke about periods for like five minutes. So the conversation went something like, um, so when you're, when you get a little bit older, you're going to start to bleed and you'll bleed for a few days and it'll come every month and every woman bleeds and it happens to every woman and, um, you use pads to soak it up and that was about it. But then she went on to warn me that if I was ever to be alone with my grandfather, to make sure I went to get my grandmother. My grandmother. So these were her parents who we actually spent quite a bit of time with. We would see them um, at church. I'd see my grandmother at church every week and um, had quite a bit to do with my, my grandmother. But the the conversation with periods and then being warned about not being alone with my grandfather, which I didn't realize until years later what it actually, uh, what she was getting at, what it meant. But the whole conversation left me quite confused and um, it was not very much of a, um, a warm kind of welcoming side to what what happens with us and I, I I know that this this is quite a common approach for women of my generation and and probably even now to a degree as well so um you know and there's no judgment around that that was just how my introduction went uh and then when I did get my period I remember I was about 12 and I had to go and tell my dad my dad was um, 
obviously I lived with my dad. I got it after school one day and dad was home and I had to go and tell him and he had to go and buy me pads from the shop. And every time after that I needed new pads, I would just go shopping with dad and pop the pads in the trolley and cover it up with something else so no one could see that there were any pads in there. And um, that was how I went and, and, and kind of had to fend for myself a little bit. I didn't often go shopping with, with dad, but I made sure I did when I needed pads. Um, and other than that, I live with three older brothers um, and and my father, so it was very much a very masculine home. My brothers were um, all very, uh, they played a lot of rugby and a lot of sport and although they had girlfriends that would um, come by and, you know, there were there were two in particular that of my older brothers who were very much role models to me at the time, but we never spoke about periods. But other than that, there was just all these men around me. So I didn't talk about periods at all during even my teen years, um, even growing up. I, you know, you hardly spoke to anybody about periods. So I didn't know what was normal, what was not normal. Um, so yeah, conversation just was not there for a good part up until I was nearly 40. And it was at this time when I was nearly 40 when I started to notice uh, changes within my daughters and had to start thinking, okay, what am I, what am I going to do now? I have to, I have to start talking about something. I have to bring up this conversation. And I also started looking at this time, looking at, um, what products I was going to have for them ready for when they did get their, their period. And when it came to the products, I was quite astounded what I found, because as I was looking into the products that, we have had available to us when we were growing up, I was finding that a lot of these products were really not good for either our bodies or not good for the environment. And I started thinking, well, this is not really what I want for my daughters. And so I started looking into other alternatives. I was a cup user and has have been since the birth of my uh, third child. Um, which can be con- quite confronting, and I, I and especially for young for young girls. But I also was not really keen on them using tampons. So that was the first thing I was looking into: um, what products they were using. And at the same time, I was going through um, a process of learning about my own menstrual cycle. So I, as I was learning about my own menstrual cycle, I came across the work of um, two ladies who run the Red School, uh, Alexander Pope and Shani Hugo-Wilitzer, I think I have pronounced that correctly, and um, I read their book Wild Power and that changed a lot for me. That made me realise that I had been missing out on this part of our um, female cycle, this this innate innate power that we have in us as females, I'd been missing it for years. I had gone through my teen years wondering what was wrong with me. I had gone through my twenties on, on the pill pretty much the whole time. So I was probably on the pill for on and off for twelve years. So I didn't have a cycle a proper cycle as such. 
um, I was never even told about the um, I was never even told about the actual the impact the pill has on us apart from the fact that it's birth control and when it came to fertility I was unaware of when I was even fertile when we were you know conceiving children I really was um, quite saddened when I found out all this information (laughs) that I had not been privy to I felt I felt ripped off I felt sad I felt even angry that I was that I've went through so many of these years not knowing how my body actually worked hating on myself for having this curse what was deemed as a curse and um and not really and not understanding the power that that it held so it was at this time where I knew that I had to change my story. I knew that there was going to be a lot of unlearning to do. I knew that um, I was I was going to change how I approached things and that I would be healing myself as well as teaching my children, including my son, how just how important our cycles are for women and just how much of an impact positive impact it has on not just our physical bodies but also our emotional state our spirituality and our mental state and um and so I started making changes and I had many, many awkward conversations um, and many uh, <laughs> funny conversations and we continued to do so. And it took a lot. It did take a lot. It took a lot of um, hiding under blankets. It took a lot of uh, invitations to speak more and questions being asked. But now our family speaks about things in a manner that makes me feel completely aligned, aligned with my values, aligned with who I am, aligned with aligned with a true kind of um, a truth that I had felt that was missing. And I think about the way that I was brought up. And um, and this is another little part of the puzzle as well, in that I I was brought up with primarily an absent mother. And when you're when you've got someone who should be sh- you think as a child should be there for you, should always be there for you. And there were things that, and I don't judge my mum at all, and I have done a lot of healing around my mum, and I've forgiven my mum for, for, for a lot of this. And I, I'm grateful, actually, because I know that this has led me to where I am. And without this, I wouldn't, I don't think I would um, be where I am at this point with this particular journey. So I, I've come to, uh, 
come to realize that this is all meant to be part of my story. But um, at at the time and during my teens, it was a struggle. And, and and to be honest, throughout most of my adulthood so far, it has been a struggle. And um, I'll come to a lot of the healing a bit later. But it was through my teens where I was uh, brought up in a religious home, quite religious. Um, and I wouldn't just go to church every Sunday. I'd be at church for most, in in my high school years, I'd be at church every day of the week. In the morning, before school, I'd be going to church. Uh, I'd also have church activities during the week in the evenings after school and during Sunday. On on a Sunday, we'd have church for three hours a day. So it was very, um, very, very ingrained. Now, I'm no longer a religious person and I have a different relationship with God that I was brought up with, but I'm in a place where my relationship with God is, is, uh, I'm, I'm very comfortable with this relationship and very grateful. But at, at the time during my teens, I had women around me who, played a very, very important role. And it wasn't until I read a book a couple of years ago, Steve Bidolf's, Bidolf's book, uh, 10 Things Your Daughter Needs Most, that it really hit home just how much of an impact these women, women, there were two in particular, but there were some others around, but two in particular had such an impact in my life. And, uh, and in and, and this book, Steve Bidoff talks about the role of aunties and just how important the role of aunties is in bringing up our girls, especially as they become teens, when they want to separate from their mum a little bit and uh, to know that there is someone there that they can talk to or that they can, who can call them out as well if they need it. Um, but they can talk to and they can take advice from that's not particularly their mum. So, you know, it was even even though the discussions we had, there was there's so many things that I don't agree with now from my religious background, but there's also so many things that I'm so grateful that I had around me because I feel if I didn't, I would have been a completely different person seeking out seeking out ways in which I could feel like I belonged and even though you know there were things that I was questioning even as a teen I always felt with these women that I belonged they gave me the sense of belonging without judgment you know we all made mistakes as teens and I probably hid it from from many of them, especially in my later teens. But, you know, they were there regardless. And um, and this is one reason why when I do my workshops, I really, I really love that we come together as a community or as a group where it's not just a mother and daughter, but there is more we we come together with with our friends and their mothers or with our aunties or with our stepmums 
And I really love that these girls, they may not realize it at the time, but they they are in a space where they have other role models around them and they can see that this is something that we can share all together and that we don't need to close a door and go in a bedroom and and talk about these things behind closed doors, that these are things that we can learn about in a group and with the support of older women and with the advice of older women and with the uh, the the wisdom, but also just the holding space of older women. And that is one thing that growing up, I definitely had. I had the holding of the space and the support of these women who weren't my mother, who weren't my any kind of biological auntie, but who were aunties in another another sense. And these two particular particular Moldy women who were so generous and giving, and you know, I, I don't, I, I no longer live in New Zealand, so I don't see them very often. But gosh, I love it when I do, and even if I see them on Facebook or see their picture, I just my heart fills up with gratitude when I when I see these these beautiful women who gave so much to girls that you know were not their own and and that is one thing that I do love about that particular the religion that I was brought up in I do love that about the values that it holds and yes so I'm I'm very grateful for that and then there were another piece of the puzzle which you know I ha- I have these workshops are based around talking about periods and that's the the front of it. But there is something bigger in that it is opening up conversations that are awkward, that are hard, that have that shouldn't be hard and shouldn't be awkward, but they are just because of the taboo that I spoke about last last time. There is taboo around it. And we hold shame and we hold embarrassment and we hold all of these emotions deep in us that we find it difficult. Or, or it has to be something that's kind of made a joke of, or you know, it's just one of it's just difficult. It's awkward and it's difficult, and it shouldn't be that way. But it it is because it has been, and we've got so much to shake, so much ingrained stuff to shake. So one of the one of the things that is really really important is that we open up conversations. And the importance behind this is big for me. Again, um, my story, my piece of the puzzle was an incident of sexual assault when I was younger. And this is something that I'm going to talk more about in another episode because I think it's, it's something that definitely needs to be brought out and discussed and aired because there is a lot of shame. There was a lot of shame. And... This particular incident, it happened when I was 12 and it happened with someone that I knew and I was so uh, unsure of the whole thing. I was so, I was uncertain, I was confused, I didn't know what was happening and I didn't know what was happening because no one spoke about anything. We didn't talk about anything 
like we didn't talk about periods, let alone sex, let alone consent, let alone touching. And it was something that I pushed down. I pushed down, I pushed down, I pushed down. I never, ever thought about it. Occasionally, I'd get little glimpses of this memory that would make me think, hmm, did, what, what was that? But I did not think about this incident for years, years and years. And it was about five years ago, five or six years ago, I started to go through a bit of depression and anxiety. And at this time, I went through a whole list of healing modalities. And it actually, it started with, I was just not coping. I was just not coping with the three children, the intensity. I remember standing at my kitchen bench one day, trying to make a sandwich. And I had no idea how to make the sandwich. I was so out of my mind with anxiety that I didn't know how to make a bloody sandwich. So it was at that point and I said to my husband, I have to go to the doctor. There's something going on. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to see someone. So I went to the doctor and um, just said, look, I'm not coping. And the first thing she did was ask me if I wanted to go on antidepressants. And <laughs> I'm, um, I like to use a more of a holistic point of view. This was not my normal doctor. We'd just actually moved towns and I had to see a, a new doctor that I hadn't seen before. And I was in shock, to be honest. I was in shock that that would be the first, the very first option for me. So I declined and I asked instead if I could see a counsellor. And so I started to see a counsellor as well as a whole lot of other modalities. I went to see a naturopath who looked at a whole lot of natural remedies for me to take. Um, I had a whole list of other kind of um, natural modalities and other practitioners that I saw. And we unpacked with all of these all of these practitioners unpacked a lot of a lot of things and I started listening to podcasts and learning about different methods of healing and my mind was just basically being opened up to new ways of thinking that I hadn't been exposed to before and one of the things that was kind of niggling with me at the time was around my womb space and every time I heard the term womb space a little shift or there, there was something inside me that was saying you need to follow this you need to follow this and so I started looking into healing my womb space and I was um, led on a list of of uh, people, some authors to read and um, people to follow. And it was very, very enlightening. Uh, but there was one particular time when I came up to, it was just before we, we moved again. So we moved from the country and moved to, moved into state. And just before we moved, I'd booked in to go onto a yoga retreat, which was in Byron Bay, which is not actually not too far from where I live now. So this particular spot we found out later where we were holding the retreat 
was where Indigenous women would go to heal, to birth, and to die. And it was an mainly women at this retreat and there was many of us who got our periods really early and we found it was strange but there was one particular moment where I was having a Reiki session and if you haven't had Reiki before it's a hands-off healing that balances your chakras um, and that kind of restores your energy and I was having this session and, and beforehand I'd said to her, I said to the practitioner who was actually, she was part of the retreat as well, I'd said to her, can you concentrate on my womb space because I feel like I need to have some healing around here. And um, so she said, okay, and we had a massage, which was amazing. But then she started the Reiki and often during my Reiki sessions, I often see a lot of colours But this particular time I saw a different colour and I was seeing a very vibrant yellowy-orange colour. And during the session I felt a, a removal, a physical, I felt something physical being pulled out of my womb space. And I, I didn't think much at the time apart from thinking, oh, that felt weird. It, like, it was like someone had reached in and taken something out. It didn't hurt in any way. It was just a, a, a feeling of um, just a, a physical feeling of something being pulled out. And uh, so I, I carried on on my way. And, and like I said, I got my period early and I flew back home the next day. And we were literally moving two weeks later back up this way. But I flew back home and I was on the plane. I I'd, I'd got I asked to catch an earlier flight home um, and our plane was empty. I think there might have been like 10 people on our flight. So I had nobody around me on my, the seats in front of me, the seats behind me, this, all, my, the whole, I had nobody around me. And I'm on this flight and suddenly the memories come flooding back of the incident from when I was 12 and they are vivid and they are strong and they're just coming at me. So I started, I pulled out my journal and I just started writing everything that happened. And it was the first time in, gosh, it would have been 28 years since it happened, 27, about 27 years that all of the memories had come. Other than that, they'd all been suppressed so I have no doubt that these two, with the Reiki session and um, and this these memories, I, they were connected. And so I was able to then deal with this memory and to um, to unpack it and to process it. And I actually contacted my friend, who's a social worker, and, and deals with. Um, deals with sexual crisis and asked her what is this what can you explain to me what this is and I let her know all the memories that had come up and just I wanted to know if that because I'd been holding guilt and shame guilt because what had happened was so it was sinful remembering that I was brought up in a religious home I thought I'd done something wrong I thought I'd sinned And I was really fearful and really ashamed. 
So she explained to me what it was and how I was processing it still as from a child's mind because it had happened to me as a child. So now she she explained how I could look at it from an adult and whether or not I needed to see someone to help deal with it or just the awareness was enough. And for me, I knew that just the awareness that what it was and that I was holding the shame was enough for me to uh, to let it go and to process it and to let it go. But what happened at the same time was because I had my period and my period had come early, my period and using a menstrual cup, I could see this. My period was nothing like it had ever been before. It was physically a different period and I knew my womb was releasing some very deep, uh, heavy things. And um, I've never had a period like it since, I've, and I hadn't had a period like it before, but it was um, physically very, very different to what it, to what it was, to what it normally is. Um, so, you know, I, I'd heard about our womb space as women holding trauma. And I have no doubt that that is the case. So we have to, we, you know, I want to teach my daughters that our, our wombs are, are very powerful. They're, they're sacred and they, they hold trauma. Um, and, you know, often I've, I've heard some practitioners and some people say that often when we experience problems with our menstrual cycle this can be because of the trauma that's we've experienced in some way um, often by men uh, but you know I, I don't know enough about that to go more into it but you know sometimes it is a, a trauma being able to talk about periods openly and honestly then leads on to discussions about talking about sex and talking about consent and talking about all of these really other awkward conversations that we should be able to have that we can't because of the taboo and because of the shame and I really want to be able to to change that you know I'm changing my story I'm changing the pattern that I lived with I'm changing the cycle that the woman in my family have had to deal with and I'm I'm really proud to be changing that actually I I feel like my daughters won't have to go through the same um the same shame that I had to so this is why I started Beyond the Cusp because I want my daughters to have a different view on their bodies to love their bodies. I see what they're going through in their teen and you know high school and social media and friendships and you know wanting to really uh, develop their own independence and develop who they are. And if I can help them know that their body is working for them, know that their body is doing something that is very, very natural, that is not anything to be ashamed of, that they can listen to the wisdom of their bodies and listen to the guidance that their bodies are giving them, giving them to acknowledge 
that they ho- their bodies hold a lot of, of power. Um, their wombs, their periods, their menstrual cycles is something that's very, very uh, sacred and they can love and trust their bodies, then, you know, I think I can then take one little thing away that that's going to be hard for them, especially through these 10, 10 years. And, you know, they know they can come to me and talk to me about anything and ask me questions. And, you know, they may even become the girls at school that their friends ask them questions. And I'd, I'd love them. I'd love for them to, to be able to do that. So my purpose behind Beyond the Cusp, like I mentioned, you know, I don't have, I don't have any qualifications in, in terms of health, in terms of wellness, in terms of anatomy. However, my story lies in changing my story. And, you know, I've, I've, I've witnessed and I've seen, I've seen so many of my friends struggle and say, oh, this is, you know, can you do this for my daughter too? And I know that this is, this is needed. And I'm so happy that I can help these, these young girls and my friends and other mothers and, and stepmothers and aunties, I can help them raise these daughters up to be empowered, really, really empowered to to love who they are and to trust what their body is doing and to look for alternatives when things start to go wrong or things aren't working the way they should be working. So my purpose also for this podcast is to look at other ways of doing things. So I'll be getting on different guests to help us because obviously I'm not a guru. (laughs) I'm not an expert in any way. I just want a better message. I just want a better message, a true unashamed message for our girls. So I'll be leaving all of the questions, all of the advice up to the experts. And I plan to have many, many experts on this podcast so we can all learn together and have this as a resource you know it's not just about periods either it'll be about how we all get through these 10 years together and how we get through it supporting one another and you know so so our girls know that they belong so our girls know that they if they don't feel like they can talk to their mum sometimes that they have aunties that they can turn to so it's about everyone so it's about all of us starting a new conversation, changing the way things were, changing how we were taught and doing it in a way that feels better for us, that feels more aligned with our own values and with how we want our girls to see themselves. So that is my purpose behind Beyond the Cusp and I am excited to learn alongside of you all how we can uh, raise our daughters throughout their tween and teen years and our sons. You know, I'm not going to disregard sons in this. Uh, There'll be lots of information as well about how we can support our sons to teach our sons um, and also for us to learn more about our sons as well. So, So it'll be all inclusive and 
hopefully educational and uh, all just about changing our stories and having something that feels more aligned and more true to who we are. So thank you for being here. I look forward to bringing you this information and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Cusp podcast. If you'd like to know more about Beyond the Cusp workshops and join in more conversations, come and join me on Instagram and Facebook under Beyond the Cusp. And if you found this helpful, I'd love if you could rate and review this podcast and share it with someone else in your life who you would think could benefit. I look forward to seeing you next time.